have a, a word of prayer and, and sing some songs. A couple calendar things. First off, on the weekend of May uh, 31st, we're having a, a financial stewardship weekend. Uh, a couple of the guys from the MB Foundation, John Weeb and uh, Garvey Schmidt, uh, you might know those guys, are going to be here over the weekend. And they're going to do some teaching on financial stewardship and uh, understanding finances and also just some end-of-life planning. And uh, what does it look like to be, uh, to be generous um, as we pass on as well? So, and then the other thing is that on June 20 and 21, so that's Father's Day weekend, we're doing, a, I don't even know the best term for it, like a church camp weekend thing. Uh, Sunday morning, we're going to head over to, to Timberlake Camp, and we're going to do our church service there. Uh, there will be some water activities for those of you that like to frolic in the water. And uh, for those that are up for it, we even head out uh, Saturday night and spend the night out there and, and do some camping. And uh, currently there's nothing going to happen here. So um, we invite you to, to come out and join us on, on June 20 and 21 out at Timberlake Camp. Uh, there is a flyer in your bulletin if you're interested in donating to Nepal. Uh, MCC has a, has a venue that you can help out financially that way. And also Samaritan's Purse has, has got some stuff going on. Um, and also MDS, Mennonite Disaster Service, are working in Pilger. And they're still looking for some crew leaders and an assistant cook. And, so, and there's other good stuff in your bulletin. Um, be sure to check those out. But let's do a word of prayer and then, uh, and then let's sing some. Heavenly Father, thank you for a beautiful day. Uh, thank you for a good day. Uh, thank you for uh, the opportunity to gather and learn from your word. Uh, Holy Spirit, we invite your presence here uh, to work, to move, to talk to us. It is our desire to know you, uh, to delight ourselves in you, uh, to hear your voice. Lord, you are the one that makes scripture come alive. And uh, our lives are, are dedicated and committed to you. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Please stand as we sing Christ be all around. As a light, strength of God, go before, lift me up as a way, eyes of God, look upon me, my
before you. May our hearts be open, ready for what you have in store for us today. May every eye that sees us see the light of you in us. May you be the new song we sing, the new song that we sing through our hearts this week. In your most precious name. Child. 
Thank you. 
Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. You may be seated. Well, before we have a time of prayer, just a few prayer requests to share. Uh, some of you may know uh, a young man by the name of Tyler Noonenkamp, and I'm not sure if you're following along with that, but uh, he has been in Lincoln uh, battling for his life. And um, so it sounds like he's turned a corner and is doing better, but uh, is not out of the woods yet. And so uh, if, if you want more information, I, it's on Facebook, or you can come talk to me or, or someone else. But uh, it's been quite, um, uh, quite on the edge a couple times there. Uh, also, a prayer request from uh, Jen Goosen to pray for Maddie, uh, who's recently become a Christian, and uh, just for some, yeah, uh, other good believers in, in her new faith. So, let's have a time of prayer. I'll let you guys pray individually as, as you feel so inspired, and then I'll close this off.
Father, we continue to pray for Tyler, and we ask for your healing and restoration over his body. Um, yeah, that you would heal him and restore him. Lord, we pray for our community, that you would uh, continue to um, yeah, lead us, guide us. Uh, pray that this would be a, a good place, a safe place, Lord. And uh, pray for our church, that you'd be working and moving. Show us how to pursue uh, our community and those around us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come here and have your way with us. It is a delight to worship you, serve you, honor you, and praise you, both now and forevermore. We love you, Lord. Amen. I've come to seek your face. I long for you. You are my hiding place, my safe refuge, and I find my hope in you. Your peace, it carries me through. Grace deeper than the sea, conquered the grave. You gave it all for me, your love displayed. There is power in your name. I give you all my praise. Waters roar and mountains fall.
cleaning. You know, it is my deep, deep prayer that someday all of you guys get a chance to work retail. Um, Like, if you're just not sure what to do with retirement, you should maybe just spend a few months or a year, uh, you know, over at like JCPenney or Walmart or something. The breadth of humanity uh, that you are privileged to interact with. Um, You know, you meet a lot of good ones, and and some will just have you laughing all the way home. we, for a couple summers, I worked at Cabela's in Mitchell, and uh, I was in the, the footwear department, and we had a couple fun people. One, one guy came in, and we were, we had this, it was kind of like a, kind of like a moccasin type thing. It was kind of like a leather deal, and I don't know, I think it was designed more to just kind of wear around the house, but kind of a leather moccasin thing. But on the bottom of the shoe, it, it had kind of like a, a latex rubber coating on the bottom, kind of a tape, uh, a, a textured kind of latex coating on the bottom. And he's looking at the shoe, and he asked one of my coworkers, and, and the late, kind of where it wrapped up around on the side of the shoe, he, he, you know, he, he's like, do you, it, it kind of just kind of comes up like, he goes, do you have any that are more rounded? Because uh, you know, in these, they can track you. Who? Who can track you? Why? Why are they tracking you? Um, I, ha- I had a lady... It, it was it was in the evening. It was, it was kind of slow, um, so you know, and kind of this this grandma lady who who came in and kind of an interesting gal, and she's saying a few things that are kind of making me chuckle. I mean, like my face was polite, but like in my head, I'm chuckling a little bit. But I just about lost it when she asked me to just watch her bum as she walked around the store in in this shoe because she's like, it just just kind of like throws off my hip when I like. Like just just watch this while I walk. I'm like, oh ma'am, I just I, I um, I need to check on some inventory. I'm gonna be right back, uh, with you, and uh, yeah. And then later on, for some reason, she she started uh, going off on like TV evangelists, and she like just palm slapped me on the forehead to like mock TV evangelists. I was like, what are you doing? Get your hands off my face, woman. <laughs> so. Um, but, you know, one of the, kind of on the other side of the spectrum, one of the worst things that I've ever seen, uh, it was actually um, on our honeymoon. We had done one of those deals where you go and you listen to the high-pressure talk to buy, like, a timeshare, and then you get you get to go snorkeling or something afterwards. Well, we were all done, and, and we were wrapping up, and we were over, like, in the station where, where you get your little adventure toys or whatnot. And it was it was horrible. I don't know how to describe this guy. Other than that, it was a two-year-old tantrum in a, in a full man's body. And the worst part is that his wife and kids were just stood there just taking it all in. I mean, just the yelling, the, the screaming, the whining, the... It was just... It was awful. It was just absolutely awful. I've often thought back on that guy and... More so than anything, with just great sympathy for his kids who were growing up in that environment and learning uh, that this is how you do things. Uh, You know, I mean, Jesus loves them, and, you know, we should too, but there's definitely some interesting characters out there. Uh, Our parents affect our identity a lot. Um, Good or bad, they just affect 
our identity alive. Uh, the passage that we're going to look at today is Ephesians 1. We're just walking through this. And it's verses 15 uh, to 23. So it's the rest of chapter 1. It's actually a prayer. Um, Paul is praying for the Ephesians. And it's a great prayer. And if you, you know, in the commentaries, there's all kinds of stuff on the structure and the prayer and, and that kind of thing. But what we've been going through Ephesians and, and looking at this first part at identity. Remember the first part of Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, your identity. What does it mean to be seated in Christ? Ephesians 4 and 5, how we interact with the world, how we walk in the world. The last part of Ephesians, uh, how we deal with the enemy, how we stand against the enemy. Uh, but in this first part, really looking at Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 through the lens of identity. And so I actually want to kind of come at this from the other side. And as we look at this prayer, look at who is God? What attributes of God do we see kind of revealed in this prayer? And then consequently, how does that uh, affect your identity? So it's a great prayer, but the thing that we're going to be looking at are the, the attributes of God. So if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to read along. Um, otherwise, it um, will be up on the screen. Um, if you would please stand with me. We haven't done that in a while, but that's just kind of a nice uh, a token of respect for, for Scripture. So please stand as we, as we read through this. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places." Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Amen. You may be seated. be kind of pointless if we sat here for half an hour and you didn't hear any of it. Okay. God's character is important in understanding our identity. Uh, and this section tells you a little bit about the family that you have been adopted uh, into. Uh, if you have been adopted, if you have been ransomed out of prison, ransomed out of captivity, if you stand to inherit... Uh, a new name or, or great wealth, then the person behind all of that is now of considerable interest to you. Um, uh, we've talked so far. Ephesians has told us that we are adopted. It's told us that we are ransomed from prison, ransomed from 
captivity, uh, that we stand to inherit a great uh, a fortune, uh, that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Uh, but as we look at the whole of Scripture, we also see that God is calling us to model ourselves after Him. Uh, but the character of God, I mean, who is this person who adopted you? Why did they adopt you? Uh, what was their motivation? Uh, what's the extended family life like? That's, that's maybe worth looking into. If you're going to call someone Father or Abba or Daddy, then you better find out what kind of person that is. Uh, five different things uh, that we're going to be looking at. One is that he gives us the Holy Spirit. Then he talks about giving us hope. He talks about inheritance. He talks about power. And then at the end, he talks about giving us Jesus Christ. The first part, first few verses. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So first we see that that God gives us the spirit for the purpose of wisdom and revelation. Um, How remarkable that God gives us the Holy Spirit. I don't even know if it was necessary. Maybe it was, but he did. And it just kind of, it seems pretty generous. The God who, who hovered over the deep when the earth was created, uh, the God who created life, the, the God who rules all the nations, dwells within you? That's remarkable. I mean, that's, that's kind of beyond our comprehension. And it's also incredibly generous. I mean, this is a God who is continuously present all the time. This is not the absent father. I cannot watch my kids 24-7. I'm not sure I'd want to watch my kids 24-7. But even if I wanted to, I couldn't. But God is there 24-7. Even while you sleep, he hovers, he schemes, he intercedes, he prays for, he watches out. Um, it's wonderful. The word uh, spirit in this has gotten a little bit of attention um, Paul, because Paul doesn't actually name it as spirit, depending, or the Holy Spirit. Depending on what translation you have, some will say spirit, some will say the spirit, some will say a spirit, um, some may capitalize spirit, uh, some not. He doesn't specifically name it as Holy Spirit. Uh, grammatically, it is plausible that he just meant generically uh, spirit so like attitude or disposition of, of wisdom and revelation but theologically really it's only through the holy spirit that we receive wisdom uh, isaiah 11 talks about the spirit of wisdom scripture tells us that god's wisdom is different than man's wisdom First uh, corinthians has not god made foolish the wisdom of the world uh, the wisdom of the world is folly to god so I, th- I think it's Holy Spirit, just in my opinion. So there you go. You can go home and debate that. Uh, the Holy Spirit gives wisdom, right, which informs how you believe, how you think, how you act. Revelation is you receiving knowledge, uh, uh, receiving information that you didn't have before. Uh, the Spirit of Revelation will teach you things about Jesus that were inaccessible before. You cannot fully understand Scripture without the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, Scripture will always be crazy book. Okay? 
Only with the Holy Spirit does it begin to make sense, does it begin to tie together. Paul, in speaking of unbelievers, writes in 2 Corinthians 4.4, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Jesus, when he was about to leave this earth, said, or, or it's recorded that Jesus did this in Luke 24, speaking of the disciples who had been with him for three years, finally, when he's about to leave, it says, then he, Jesus, opened their minds to understand the scriptures. You cannot truly understand scripture without the Holy Spirit. I've met some amazing people who, who have a lot of information about scripture and consequently a lot of information about God. Um, but it's really, you can kind of tell that it's primarily come through academic pursuit. Uh, and I'm very thankful for these people. I learn a lot from these people. But there are a few. There, 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 are, there are a few who, it just seems like they, have, they, they know a lot about Scripture, but they've learned it through communing with the author. Their insight comes from, from time with Jesus, from time with the Holy Spirit. And by far, those are my favorite group of people to learn from and, and, and to study under. Grammar is important. Historical context is important. But hearing from the author who wrote it, having the author explain the meaning, uh, that is rich. When Paul was converted, he didn't go back to the scholars. He went to the desert. And he communed with God for, I think it was up to seven years. He spent in the desert. Uh, on my uh, computer, I have a fantastic Bible software called um, Logos. And uh, it's very great. It's very powerful. Uh, within that software, I have over 1,900 books. Um, retail, what I have would have cost around $2,500. Uh, I had a pretty good coupon. But, um, I mean, it's just, it's incredibly powerful. I can type questions into that. I can type stuff into Google. And in seconds, I have hundreds of different responses, sorting through all different books. Um, all kinds of different things are available to me. And I love it. I use it all the time, right? Information is readily available to you and I. For In our day and age, information is not, is not the problem. But what matters most is understanding the heart of the author. That's why God prays for the Holy Spirit, for a spirit of wisdom, for a spirit of revelation. Paul continues on. Uh, hope. Uh, just a few words on this. Uh, verse 18. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Christian hope is completely different than worldly hope. It's actually unfortunate that we use the same word because they're just they're, they're in two different camps. When, when, when the earth or, or when the world speaks of hope, they, they speak of like a wishful desire or, or a longing or, or, you know, oh, if only this could happen. When Christians speak of hope, we speak of something with absolute assurance that this will happen. That, that this is, this is sign-sealed and about to be delivered. There is no wishful thinking. There is no desire or longing that maybe this will come about. 
with Christian hope, it is absolutely done. One of my favorite descriptions for hope um, comes from a friend's bathroom. Uh, they had a little, I don't know, plaque or thing or something that hung in their bathroom for a long time. And, uh, and it just said that, that hope is the bird that sings to the dawn while it's still dark. So you can go home and embroider that. Uh, verse 18 carries on. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? You know, last week we talked about inheritance and about how you receive an inheritance as children of God. What's remarkable about this, and maybe I'm way off on this, but as I read this and I've kind of studied it, the inheritance that we're talking about is not your inheritance. This is not the inheritance that you get. What they're talking about is the inheritance that God gets. And the inheritance that God gets is you. That's kind of odd, isn't it? I mean, it's wonderful. But for God, His rich inheritance that He receives and that He is excited about is you. You are, you are the inheritance. The saints are His glorious inheritance. You are part of His great wealth. You are of such value to Him that He calls you his inheritance. If you look at your past, this makes no sense. But God doesn't judge you on your past. He judges you on your future. Uh, when I do something that's of value uh, to me, when I have something that's of value to me, and someone slanders it, um, that upsets me. You know, maybe it's something silly like an item I own. Maybe it's one of my kids. Maybe it's a project that I've put a lot of time into. But when I value it and others speak against it, that frustrates me. And that's hurtful. One of the, the most silly things that, that we are seeing today, I don't know, maybe this goes back centuries. I'm not sure. I'm not that old. But I know we're seeing it a lot today. It, is this thing where people will say, well, you know, I love Jesus, but I just really don't like the church. No. It doesn't work that way. If you love Jesus... You love the things that he loved. If you love your spouse, you love the things that they love. Um, God desperately loves the church. And what about that little voice in your head? Uh, how do you talk to yourself? If you're sitting at the table, if I'm sitting at the table, I'll use myself as an example. If I'm sitting at the table and I spill a glass of milk, does the little voice in my head go, Oh, Luke, you stupid moron. Why can't you do anything right? You're so clumsy and stupid. Or does my inner voice go, Huh, I spilled some milk. I should clean that up. God calls you his rich inheritance. You are of value to him. Be careful about how you speak about the church. Be careful about that little voice in your head about how you speak about yourself. Because you are something that is of value. And when you slander something that's of value to God, that's hurtful and that's frustrating to God. Paul continues on. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might 
that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but in the age to come. First, in in talking about this power, Paul talks about this power where God took Christ and raised him, took him from the, the dead and raised him and seated him far above everything. And that same power, when God reached down and raised Jesus up, is the same power that he exerts in us and in our life. But then Paul uses all these other words to to describe this. Uh, um, and, And if you're not looking for it, it'd be easy to miss the significance of this. But he says, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but the age to come. I still remember uh, in college we had a Bible class, and uh, we were talking about these words, but, but you know, in Ephesians 6. And we, we kind of got into a uh, lively debate um, on what these words mean. Um, there is kind of one camp that would say, uh, these are all political references. Uh, Jesus was just kind of undermining uh, the political authorities of the day. Um, strong, or yeah, that's a very prominent perspective. Um, but then on the flip side, it says, no, these are, these are spiritual references, spiritual uh, authorities or, or entities. Um, I don't believe that Paul was just being eloquent using a lot of adjectives. Uh, I think he had specifics in mind. Um, look at some of the ways that uh, that these words get used elsewhere in Scripture, by Paul and by other authors. Ephesians 3. And just look for patterns and, and how these words are used, because I do believe they are significant. Uh, Ephesians 3.10, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Ephesians 6, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Colossians 1.16, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Colossians 2.15, By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. 1 Corinthians 15, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God after destroying every rule, every authority, every power. 1 Peter, Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, powers having been subjected to him. And then one of my favorites, Romans 8, 38. Uh, but starting in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation be, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus is above All governments, all kingdoms, both earthly and spiritual. Um, But when you look at the whole of Scripture, 
it, def- it seems like there's a definite spiritual reference uh, in these rulers and these authorities. Jesus is over everything and every spiritual entity. Um, usually for North Americans, that's a pretty easy concept to grasp. Um, but look for this as you interact with other cultures. This is something we take for granted. This is very difficult for a lot of cultures to embrace Jesus as above every other God. Uh, in many cultures, uh, this will get you some, some good conversation, uh, to put it discreetly. Lastly, and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let me just kind of, Paul's kind of all over on that. Let me just kind of paraphrase that a little bit. And he, God the Father, gave him, Jesus Christ, to the church. And God the Father gave Jesus to the church. This begins with God the Father giving the Holy Spirit. Now we see God the Father giving Jesus We have the Holy Spirit. We have Jesus. In eternity, we'll have God the Father. Friends, what is being withheld from you? Nothing. We are given the Holy Spirit. We are given Jesus. We will be given God the Father for all eternity. And yet, how do we reconcile power and authority and victory and more than conquerors? With cancer and martyrdom and unfair bosses and corrupt governments and tyrants. Christians continue to be slaughtered and yet Paul is saying we are more than conquerors. I mean, what, was, what was he smoking when he wrote that? I mean, it just doesn't really seem to fit. How do you reconcile spiritual victory with physical suffering? How do you reconcile spiritual victory with physical suffering? People write big books on that topic with titles like Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? I don't have a lot of easy answers on that. I'm not going to try to answer that for you. But I know that as we look, th- as we look at this passage spiritually, um, we are victorious. And we have been given everything. And God works great power in our lives and through us. Um, And somehow, within that yet, uh, we do suffer physically. You know, we, we may lose a few battles, but we have absolutely won the war. Who adopted you, who ransomed you, is incredibly important in understanding our identity. Your adoption, your ransom, uh, was something that the entire family was involved in. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all eagerly participated in your, in your adoption, in your ransom. And you are their glorious inheritance. It's a good family. Some of your siblings are crazy, but for the most part, it's a good family. And it's interesting to me that As we understand our identity better in Christ, uh, the working of the Holy Spirit, the hope 
uh, that we have, how much easier it is to get along with other denominations. How easy it is to say, you know what? We're all part of the same family. You're a little bit crazy, but it's all part of the same family. God gave you the Holy Spirit and desires to give you wisdom and revelation so you can know Jesus better. He gives you hope, which is completely different than worldly hope, because ours is absolutely assured. You are his inheritance. You are the thing that he receives. He works incredible power in our lives, and he gives us Jesus. It's a good family. Enjoy it. Amen. Heavenly Father, um, it's remarkable that you invite us to call us Father. When you, when you taught the disciples to pray, you instructed them, Abba, Father. It's a close, intimate, relational term. So, Father, we thank you for adopting us into your family. We thank you for ransoming us uh, from prison, from captivity. Lord, it's, we're dealing with things that are beyond our comprehension. Thank you for your generosity to us, your love for us. Thank you that you are such a good parent to us. Lord, this is information, uh, this is is something that the world needs to know, that the world needs to experience. ask that you would lead us and guide us as we share this with others. I pray for those in this this room, that you would go with them uh, as they go about their week. That you would keep them safe. That you would draw... Uh, continually draw their thoughts and their attentions to you. Remind us of you on a continual basis. Uh, Lead us to opportunities to share this information and this good news with others. We love you, Lord. Amen. Please stand for the last song. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again increase in us we pray unveil our name come set our hearts ablaze with hope like wildfire in our very souls holy spirit come and make